across the greatest city known to man. From Altona to Abbotsford, from Yarraville to Yarra Glen. This is the, the Winter Breakfast with Howie and the Moon Man. And of course me, Malcolm, on Triple M. Lucy, I'm on Triple M. <laughs> I'm a radio star. Hello, 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 and good morning to you, Melbourne, Victoria, or wherever hello, else you're hello, listening. Hello. Uh, Moon Man, five after six, seven degrees in Melbourne town, heading to a beautiful day of 15. How are you, Big Daddy? I'm very well. I uh, cycled around the lake for the second Ooh. day in a row, lying in the sand, um, and I've got to say, it was just beautiful looking up at the uh, skyline, of, skyline of Melbourne. The lake was like glass. The moon was shining down. There were some water hens down there oh, just starting to feed a cygnet. There might have even been a gosling. I don't know. <laughs> but it was just idyllic down there by the lake. This is the new fitness routine. Two days in a row now you've been on the bike. Yeah, and uh, it feels great. I've got to say, immediately when you start exercising, and I don't know whether it's the placebo effect of I've begun, mm. but I felt terrific yesterday afternoon. I felt virtuous. Uh, maybe it's just the blood supply to the brain. And I thought, well, I'll go and get myself a nice healthy breakfast after breakfast radio with Howie. And I had a new experience. I had a breakfast of ramen. A what? A breakfast ramen. What, like noodles? It is noodles, yes. Noodles they bring for it breakfast. To, they bring it to your, your table, the bowl of noodles with some thickly cut bacon in there, coriander, and a 62-degree egg, oh. Howie. Do you know what that is? Was an egg cooked at 62 degrees? degrees. Why yeah. they, what's the number 62 signify? Well, it's as close to raw as an egg can be, oh. but cooked. But cooked. No, it's white and the, it's all beautiful. Well, Tommy's saying No, it's good. delicious. Oh, it's like a, so it's delicious. like a boiled egg, but perfectly. And then they pour on the hot uh, soup. Well, it's more of a broth. Uh, bacony broth, and you you mix it all together, and boy, I'm going back today. Right, so this is the new fitness kick. This yeah. is you. Could you stop lowering your eyes? I'm not to my belly. You <laughs> I'm do. Not. You can't make my eye contact. I feel like I'm some not. kind of supermodel with massive cleavage. You just can't keep your eyes up. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> You're lowering down I'm to just, the girth area. I'm just happy constantly. that you're going out there and attempting to improve yourself through so exercise. What, what was your improve yourself? Uh, what was your regime yesterday? What well, is a Howie day? Yesterday typically was three foot and offshore. I would have surfed for a couple of hours, but I'm staying with the in-laws. Well, they're not there, but the in-laws house out in the far eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Now, Whereabouts? Uh, Warren Wood. Warrenwood's very yeah. nice. Oh, Warrenwood, Wonga out Park, out the back of Ringwood. I spent some time in Eastland yesterday. That's a whole Eastland's other story. Oh, fantastic part of the world. I loved it out there. I loved it. I don't um, think that you're really taken by Eastland. <laughs> you know, I grew up in Bayswater, and so Eastland was an exotic place. It was like Disneyland. You get on the train, two stops, Heathmont, Ringwood, there you go. And then one night, we were watching the news, and Eastland made the news. Right. Because uh, somebody in ZZ's coffee shop had uh, been detected to have typhoid, oh. had brought typhoid back from Asia, and there was a typhoid outbreak at ZZ's. Of course, it meant the, it spelt the end for ZZ's coffee shop, but uh, we thought, how exotic are we? I don't There's think someone I close to us who's got typhoid. Oh. That was a moment for celebration in the Mooney household, the typhoid well, outbreak at Eastland. That summarises my thoughts on Eastland. The way there. But what I did, uh, I used to go to the gym around the corner here when I used to live in town called Olympia. Olympia, now, I know uh, it. I'm the, Montague Street. Well, yes, they've got the big garage door there. They open it up. I am the skinniest man there by a good 40 kilos. So that's where the big, big boys, they've actually got a bicep, you know, the single bicep uh, curl type of uh, weight. Mm -hmm. They've got 110 kilo of there. Oh, for one arm. One arm. So I just, pesh, you know, I'm working on the bench press, just sort of the bar and the little... Uh, 
little weights on the side, and the big boys just come past and pluck them up and help me out. So that was my effort uh, to get some exercise yesterday. Uh, I want to uh, just change the subject for a moment. Our newsreaders in this town, who we love dearly, uh, the evening news. I'm a big fan right. of Pete Hitchener, oh, yes. Channel 9, Pete Mitchell, uh, Channel 7, of course, your own network, Channel Quarters. 10. Quarters. Quarters. Magnificent. And they've years. had some greats over the years. Yarn Event, uh, David Johnson. Mal Walden. Natasha Belling. That's it. Sutz. Sandra Sully. Sandra And of course, Sully. over at, on ABC, we've got Hendo. Now, Hendo was uh, doing the sport last night as well. I don't know whether it's his full-time job or whether the sport person was away. But um, I'm not too sure whether he's across the AFL teams because uh, the Western Bulldogs, uh, he just got a little bit wrong. Just listen to this. In other decisions, Collingwood's Levi Greenwood has received a one-week suspension for rough conduct. And Bulldogs defender Easton Wood is also facing a week on the sideline. The Bulldogs. Um, right. Now, I'm not too sure whether they play in our league, uh, Hendo, but I don't know what was on his mind there. So, mm, Okay, talking about Bulldogs, def- Bulldogs defender Easton Wood. So maybe, the, I don't know, they might have merged, have they, uh, the With Bulldogs? Who? With the dykes? Uh, I don't know. Not sure. We've got a lot of You're, you're backing away from me, yeah, well, You're not I, touching Bulldogs. I'm not sure where you're going with this. For mine, Lawrence Mooney, the sun will not rise today. Well, come on, Howie. Uh, you're a Hawthorne supporter. The sun will not rise. It's a moment for celebration, and these moments come for all teams and all great champions. And Luke Hodge has announced his his resignation. He is leaving the game. Retirement. And uh, resigning. Retiring. End of the season. Retiring makes it sound like he's going into a home with assisted <laughs> living and mashed vegetables. He's resigning. Anyway, whatever. He's walking away from the game, and what a glittering career it has been. The highlights, please, Howie. Well, four premierships starting in 2008, mm-hmm. and uh, with a Norm Smith medal there, another Norm Smith medal, uh, three straight premierships as captain in 13, 14, and 15, including a magnificent check side from the boundary against the West Coast Eagles. Uh, Probably his best goal, and one that was just out of the golden box, wasn't it? It was. Two best and fairest, a couple of All-Australians, but just a dude. Just Mm. a good dude. I'm obviously obviously biased. A little bit of drink driving in there, too. Let's not, uh, you know. Why would you go down that path? Because he's just a dude. Well, yeah, but I don't think you need to link dudes with drink driving. But he's a good dude. He's he's flawed. He's a good human. He's a father of three. Let's not forget to celebrate his wife in all of this, too. Behind every great champion is somebody who, you know, supports and and does a whole lot of background work, so good on her. I could be wrong because I am biased because I am a Hawthorne man. But he'd be the oh, type of reckon? bloke. He'd be the type of bloke I would reckon? think. Well, I'm going to ask you because you're an Essendon man, so we'll test this theory right now. Mm. He'd be the type of bloke that everyone in footy goes, "Oh yeah, like Hodgie. Love to have you on my team." Yeah, absolutely. I would uh, say there's no animus from me as an Essendon supporter as there might be to say a Sam Mitchell or Sam Mitchell. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, and it's all about showbiz across the boundary line, across the fence. There's enemies and villains that you build up in your own head, but there's blokes you think he's a good bloke, and uh, I, I would really love to have him on my team. What a leader! And... A type of bloke you love to have a beer with. But he wasn't one of those guys that you would hate near the ball. Like if Dane Swan went near the ball, it's like get him. Kill him! Or Juddy, for example. Um, Hodgie was just like, you know, very workmanlike down there. A bit of a machine, not stopping. So, 
yes, in terms of emotion, I'd love him to have him on my team. His press conference yesterday out at out, out Hawthorne was fantastic. The uh, typical question was put to him, what would you do if you hadn't been a footballer? And his coach, Alistair Clarkson, answered that on his behalf. A few people have asked that. Um, yeah, I couldn't tell you. Since I was, uh, since I was a kid, I've always... Colette Garbo. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's been mentioned a few times. And a fine profession, that is. Yeah, lovely Colac. Terrific bakery and, uh, you know... It's got a good bakery. A gateway to the Otways. And it's a good place. Of course, there was a famous Brownlow medalist by the name of Paul Couch, who was a garbologist down at the Cattery. So Hodgie, uh, Hodgie would have done a magnificent job at anything. There was also a lot of discussion about the time when he was drafted. He was drafted number one alongside Luke Ball and Chris Jarda. In the early stage of their career, they'd, oh, why didn't they get Jard, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in the end, um, all champions of the game... Uh, and Hodgie also discussed that particular draft. My uncle actually summed that up when I think Juddy retired and Boydor retired. As, who would have guessed the fat, slow one's still going? <laughs> and that's how he was described early doors, Hodgie. Right. Fat and slow. Yes. Well, it's just uh, the, the tortoise and the hare, isn't it? Slow and steady wins the race, Hodgie. Luke Hodge will join us on the winter breakfast at 7.35, and we'll have Terrific. him on until about half past 10, I would have thought. Don't drink, don't mention... <laughs> Drink driving? Don't. Okay. Don't. I'm an Essendon supporter. I've got to throw some mud. Morning, Sam. Oh, oh, morning, Ralph. Early in the morning. Triple M's Winter Breakfast. Early morning quiz. Winter breakfast, Triple M, 26 after 6, heading to a top of 15, Mark Howard, and I'm about to introduce you to the mm. Prime Minister of Australia. Before I do that, though, one triple three five three. it's the pressure test quiz. We're giving away Paul Kelly tickets for you and three mates to see Paul Kelly at a secret gig. His new album, Fine, Life is Fine, out on the 11th of August, so in about a month's time. Looking forward to that one, and I'm looking forward to speaking to the Prime Minister. Hello, PM. Uh, good morning to you, Howie, and hello to you, young Tom Bainbridge over there, pushing the buttons. Good on you. Hello, Prime Minister. Uh, it's terrific to be in here for the quiz. A pressure test. I live under pressure, as you know, that I've just come in here from the G20. How I was, was that? just in London talking to Theresa May. Well, I declared that the Liberal Party aren't conservatives, Howie. Oh, Are you across you? the news? That's right. Right. We're liberals. We talk, we, we're middle ground. We're, con, we're, we're progressive. Uh, we're all about business, but we're not conservative. Did you spend any time with Mr. Trump? Well, of course, uh, I spent some time with Donald, and he wasn't he wasn't aware of my winter ball shenanigans either. Right. Uh, I That's think he good. lives in a bit of a bubble. All right, Prime Minister. Into a tweeting bubble. We best get on to the quiz. I'm One, quite triple, excited three, about three. this this morning. Okay, off we go. Okay, well, what, do you want to ask the question? I will ask the question. Uh, Luke Hodge has announced his retirement. Mm. Please name, and you can include Luke, seven... Hawthorne captains. And first of all, we've got Matt from Ballarat. It rhymes. Matt, your time starts now. Name seven. Hawthorne captains. Uh, morning, Prime Minister. And, um, oh, jeez. Driss. Mm, crikey. Far out. Oh, under um, pressure. Far out. Jason wow. Dunstall. Jason Dunstall. One. Dunstall. One. Uh, Dermot Brereton, nah. No. No, never. Uh, You're out, Matt from Ballarat. It's a tough one. Let's move on to... Wayne from Narry Warren, your time starts now. Name seven Hawthorne captains. Okay, the first one is Luke Hodge. Yes. So we've got Jason Dunstall. Yes. Two. It was Peter Crimmins. Three. 
John Peck, I'm going back a while. John Peck, four. Four. Uh, ooh. You're under pressure, buddy. Oh, I'm under pressure. Come on, Wayne. Uh, Come on, Wayne. Oh. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. You're about um, to blow up, Wayne. I think oh. I am. Do you want to get John Peck, though? Good effort, four. Solid. sixty-five. John Peck. The year of Lawrence Mooney's birth. I don't know why I know that. I know a lot of things. <laughs> Michael from Warrigal, are you there? Yes, mate. How are you? I'm very well indeed. I'm very familiar with the Prime Minister. Mate. Good on you, Michael. <laughs> uh, it's egalitarian in this country. Your time starts now. Name seven Hawthorne captains. Uh, Bob Peck, uh, Jason Dunstall, Lou Hodge, Sam... Uh, oh. Mitchell. Sam Mitchell. Four. Mm. Jason Dunstall. You've said that twice. Yes. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> no, you can't say it twice. No, you can't say it twice, Michael from Warrigal. Sam from Cheltenham, are you there? Yep. I'm Good here. on you, Sam. Get ready. Your time starts now. Seven Hawthorne right. captains. Okay, Jason Dunstall. One. Peter Crimmins. Two. John Peck. Three. Dermot Berridan. Sam Mitchell. No Dermot Berridan. No Dermot Berridan. Oh. Good effort, though. No. Good effort, though. Oh, this is tough. Damien from Watsonia. Hey guys. G'day, g'day. Jared Ruffhead, Luke Hodge, Dan Mitchell, Ricky Vandenberg, Shane Crawford, Jason Dunstall, Chris Langford, Gary Ayres. That's it, that's, that's it. it. Well and done. from the same Wikipedia page, I believe, because they were in descending order from uh, most recent <laughs> no, he to mixed, least. He did mix it up a bit. I'm just a fan. Well, well, good on you, Damien, from Watsonia. You're a great fan. Of course, Hawthorne entered the competition in 1925. With, with which other team, Harry? Do you know which other team came in in 1925? You call yourself a supporter. No. University. Well, I don't support the competition. university prime well, minister. They're not in the team, the competition anymore. Uh, Damien, you've won tickets the to see likes. Paul Kelly at a secret gig. His new album, Life Is Fine, is out on 11th of August. Well done to you, Damien. Well, Thanks very much, fellas. Well done, and thank you to you, yeah. Prime Minister. That's always a pleasure. Damien, of course, sounded like he was from Ireland. Uh, and uh, we'll kiss the blarney for him, because I'm going back to London right now. Moon Man. There's many things I can't do. One of them that I can't do that I wish I could do was play guitar. I can't. So what I'll be doing is heading to the Melbourne Guitar Show, Caulfield Racecourse, August 5 and 6. All sorts of people playing there, presented by Triple M and Australia Music, including our next guest, who I don't know whether to call Johnny Diesel, Johnny, Mark, or as it's called on our sheet here, Johnny Diesel. Anyway, he's on the line now. G'day and uh, hello. What do we call you? It's surely not Diesel. No. Um, you can, leave, leave, I think, lose the first three of those. And just go for diesel. Just get the big black texture out. I haven't, I haven't gone on to that, the, those latter ones since 91. So how many years is that now? So, okay. That is 16 yeah. years yeah. diesel. But uh, I think it's more like 20, 26, isn't it? It is. We it thought is. you'd maybe gone. The <laughs> and that's why you went into radio and not into... Into uh, you're not John Nash, neither am oh, I. Don't he's worry. A maths, right? Yeah, yeah, 26. You're right. Now Lawrence did lose a decade there, but I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> anyway, hey mate, oh, didn't yes, we so... all? <laughs> <laughs> the guitar no. show, Caulfield Racecourse. That's what ostensibly we've got you on to talk about. As I said, I, there's many things I can't do in life. I wish I could play a guitar. I'm telling my five-year-old son now, mate, start playing the guitar. It will help you in many ways in later life. Looks like a pretty good event this one, August five and six. It is a good thing. Um, I think. Yeah, it's funny you should mention that about. Um, you know, music being 
a good therapy, I think, for, for so many people. And it definitely has been that for me. Um, funny enough, though, when we're talking about guitar and um, getting it in, you know, someone's hands, I, I didn't actually, the guitar, I, I think a lot of people would probably think I was born with a guitar maybe, but I, I, I actually was kind of a uh, real delayed gratification for me. I didn't get one until I was like 15. So, right. uh, yeah, it, I was in a house full of every other musical instrument you could imagine. My dad was a sax player, so he'd go, he used to love going to music shops. Um, and I have to say, I've inherited that from him. I'm a bit of a music shop junkie. And um, I was that kid that would get sort of tolerated in music shops growing up. They'd be like, oh, it's him again. You know, we'll let him hang for a little bit and then we'll go, listen, buddy. It's like the guy that stands and reads all the magazines and then walks out, you know. Mm. Um, so I was that kid that was hanging around the music shops, you know, kind of, but not buying anything really. But um, yeah, he'd come home with all sorts of weird, wonderful things, but the guitar was not one of them ever. So um, my old, older sisters, they, they, one of them had a guitar, but she took off because she was the oldest and I was the youngest of seven kids. So oh, that guitar yeah. was like a bit of a... It was just kind of a, a fantasy for me. And um, finally, I, I got my hands on one when I was my brother and sister put some money and got me, got me one. I mentioned earlier on I wished I could play a musical instrument. I couldn't. If I had one perfect job, it would be to drive a combi, uh, sing and play my guitar at pubs up the coast of Australia. That would keep me happy. You know, mm. 500 bucks a week, I'll be happy doing that. Is it as good a lifestyle <laughs> as I look on and think, gee, it must be fun to be a rock star? Is it a fun gig? You know, I like. I, I just love getting my hands on my equipment every, it, you know, when I'm on the road and it's like, you know, the, the travel bit's not so great. Sometimes, um, the accommodation can be a bit gritty. Um, <laughs> you know, that chicken palmer is not sitting so well on your stomach. <laughs> um, you know, and I get to the gig and I get to sort of pull out, you know, the gig gets rolled out and I get to have my hands on my guitar. I'm happy. I'm a happy boy. If I've got my guitar in my hands, I'm happy. And that, that's a pretty simple equation. You've been a prolific man over the years. Uh, your new album, Americana, is out now and you're hitting the road again. Not only are you doing the Melbourne Guitar Show at the Caulfield Racecourse, August mm. 5th and 6th, you're at the Corner Hotel in Melbourne on Saturday the 26th of August and then you're at a place called Lazotte's Friday the 24th and 25th of November in Newcastle. Uh, any relation there? Yeah, that's my, my brother had actually three of these venues and he's, he's culled it down to the one. It's a beautiful 110-year-old theatre in Newcastle. Beautiful. And um, yeah, every, he's had everybody from around the, the world played there. So um, Mick Fleetwood did a gig there last year, I think, which is pretty amazing. So yeah, it's 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 a pretty special venue, and it you know it's even more special. It's pretty surreal actually to turn around and see mm. my family name on the wall behind me when I'm playing. <laughs> it's pretty bizarre. Diesel, it's a great celebration. It relates to me, Moo Man. I wasn't sure I was going to go with this, but Johnny, I don't know if you can even remember a place called Lakes Entrance, but you played at Lakes Entrance oh, yeah. when sure. I reckon I was of course in I remember that. year eleven and. A generator the, died. I remember well, that. Well, I don't know what died, but I remember <laughs> halfway through the concert, I got my first ever kiss. Whoa! What was that his concert? Name? Maybe that was maybe that was when the generator. Maybe out. it was. So I've never got to thank you, but thank you in the middle of your concert. Uh, what, probably, John Diesel kissed you? No, Diesel didn't kiss me. Oh, I okay. had my first ever kiss with a young so, lady. Was that with Nick Barker and the Reptiles? I wasn't they, kissing I'm him. No, sh- no, no. I'm, I'm just yeah, he was. Yes, he was yeah. playing. He was playing. What yes. an awesome gig. I remember that. The um, there's one thing that promoters, if if, if you're a wannabe promoter out there, or even a promoter that is that is already up and running, never ever skimp on the generator. <laughs> if you're doing an outdoor show, go like whatever they say you need, get twice that. 
That's one bit of advice. Don't get a petrol-driven generator. <laughs> get a diesel That's right. Bam! <laughs> yeah. uh, the Melbourne Guitar Show, Caulfield Racecourse, August 5 and 6. The Americana Tour, the album is massive. It's going all the way through to December 16 through WA, Northern Territory, Victoria, mm. New South Wales. Hopefully Lakes Entrance, Queensland, South Australia and Newcastle. Johnny, yeah. great to speak to you. Good luck with the album and uh, we'll enjoy your work at the Melbourne Guitar Show. Yeah, it's going to be a great show. Lots of really cool gear. Talking about cool Johnny Diesel, how's the voice? Very relaxed, very smoky man. Very yeah. rock star. This man who did a magnificent job calling about 37 yes. games of football on the weekend, Jason Bennett. Hello, JB. Good morning, boys. How are you? Sorry I couldn't make it in yesterday. Oh, great to hear you on uh, Fox Footy. Uh, Richmond St Kilda on Saturday night. And a fine and then, job uh, on Channel 7. Carlton versus the Demons too. And uh, I thought, oh, I know that voice. That's JB. Well, that's it. We saw each other Saturday night, of course. You were on the kick on seven, and mm. uh, we were both suited up and sort of thinking, gee, don't we both look a bit different when we actually have to be seen? You did. You looked like You a, had pants on for the first look, time. You looked like a young boy going off to his valedictory dinner. Yes. Hair plastered down. Big smile on your face. E- equally as nervous. Yeah. Bad news for fans of Rafa Nadal. Hurt me, this one. Yes, it was, a, it was a tough day for Rafa. It started off with him standing in the tunnel about to come out and doing his sort of warm-up and pump-up, and he was sort of jumping up in the air, and he went whack and hit his head right into the door frame. Quite wow. hard, enough to knock the fuzz off your tennis balls. But he no concussion protocol. Out he came, played Gilles Muller, the number 16 seed. It was a, it was a marathon, four hours, 47 mm. minutes. Rafa defeated 15-13 in the fifth. That hurts. So, so Rafa's out. Gilles Muller is through. Good on him. He's my favourite of the big three. Gilles? You love Gilles? No, not Gilles. Oh, okay. I'm talking Rafa. I'm taking <laughs> Rafa over Roger, Novak and Andy, just oh. as a bloke I'd like to watch yeah, play tennis. I, I get that uh, across the boundary line, looking at him thinking, I, I like you. I think you're a good bloke. Plus, he'd be able to party. Uh, you know, you, you don't get the idea that there'd be a bit of cha-cha-cha with the others, but with Rafa. Be a lot of fun. Cha cha cha. Bit of cha cha cha. So Rafa's through. The rest of the women will make that what you will. Will run through in the seven o'clock bulletin. But a little bit of news on the uh, the hornbag, Jeff Horn, mm. Manny Pacquiao. Has his face come down? Because I tell you what, towards the end of last week, he did not look like a man who'd won a fight. Well, he looked like he'd been twelve rounds with Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> right. Exactly right. But, <laughs> not, but, but probably not the winner. Uh, now, Jeff's trainer, Glenn Rushton, is saying that the much-anticipated rematch with Manny is likely to be held at the Brisbane Entertainment Centre in Boondall rather than at Suncorp Stadium again. Now. The rematch likely to be November or December. So the unpredictable weather in Queensland at that time of the year is pretty much ruling out Suncorp. They don't want to take the chance that there's a cyclone or a storm or heat and humidity. So more than likely, it's going to be at the Brisbane Entertainment Centre. But that only holds 15,000 compared to 55,000 at Suncorp. So we can expect ticket prices for this one to go through the roof. So the Battle of Brisbane, what, what's the, the name? The Battle of Boondle, it'll yeah. become. Isn't it, isn't it the, the boom in the monsoon? Surely the other states would start bidding for this. You would think so. Look, I mean, Jeff's a very proud Queenslander. They're already in, in discussions with the Brisbane, uh, the Queensland government. So he's pretty adamant that he wants to fight at home in front of his home fans M-C-G. again. MCG. Yeah, but the thing is, I don't know whether you guys have heard of climate change. The weather's unpredictable everywhere now. There's no outdoor venue where there you can go, okay, this is minted. Maybe Las Vegas. Eddie Head Stadium. Eddie Head Stadium. You've got a roof. Good point, that's, you mate. Yes, that's right. Outdoor with a roof. <laughs> Good, good guys. I'll explain outdoor to you in the break. The roof can be open <laughs> when it would be outdoors, okay. Lawrence, and if it's going to rain... Then it's indoors. Absolutely. <laughs> Jason Bennett, JB, continuing the sport theme. bit happening in footy. 
Yes, let's start with an interesting story. This is the Clayton Oliver story, which has developed over the last uh, couple of days. If you're not across it, uh, he uh, headed towards the fence on the outer side, chasing a ball, came into close proximity to a Carlton fan. They exchanged words. Clayton went back and exchanged words the second time. And yesterday he was forced to, well, he was asked to, maybe he voluntarily apologised. If you could call it that, it really was the definition of a Clayton's apology. Did you make a, a threat, Clayton? Is that what you're apologising for? Uh, no, I don't believe so. As he looks to the media manager off camera, Lawrence, to go, uh, just remind me, what am I apologising for again? A couple of things that were unclear to me is whether there was contact between the supporter and Clayton, um, because I believe that Clayton had said, if you touch me again, I'll effing kill you, uh, purportedly. And then uh, the the supporter had called him the C word. And so there was a you know good old-fashioned exchange there. Um, but did the, the, the supporter try and stop Clayton from going into the fence or just reach out and touch him and say, you're a tool or whatever? Yeah. Well, that's the bit that we're not exactly sure of. I must admit my first impression when I saw it, how he was the former. I thought, oh, he's just trying to stop him going into the fence. Mm. It didn't look to be anything too aggressive. He wasn't leaning over the fence, frothing at the mouth, screaming at Clayton Oliver. But... Uh, it was a very interesting situation. Clayton's heart didn't really appear to be in that apology, did it, Howie? No. Well, to, uh, I think you're right, Lawrence. To me, there's two points. If the bloke over the fence had given him any form of spray, I reckon you deserve a spray back. Yep. If the bloke didn't give him a spray and Clayton unloaded, well, it's a different situation. So I think it all comes down to what was said, and that we'll never know. But no, Clayton was obviously told to apologise. I don't think he went to the footy club but, tomorrow morning and so said, I'm going to apologise. Because from the outside looking in, if you think a bloke's giving you a stick over the fence, well... Surely we're not that PC now that you can't give him a bit of a cook back. There's a little bit of uh, the boy who cried wolf here too. Clayton's become an unreliable witness. I mean, the, <gasps> the tribunal said that his evidence was manifestly inadequate uh, when talking about, you know, copying a whack from um, the West Coast player that, who's Schofield. Known, me, Schofield. So, yeah, there's uh, Clayton. You've got to keep your nose clean and out of trouble because... Mm. No one's buying your story, mate. Geordie Lewis did make a good point. He said, listen, at the end of the day, a lot of people are trying to put us off our game and opposition supporters are one of those. So I yeah. understand that. That at the end of the day, you probably shouldn't do it, but I'm not sure you should get sanctioned for it. Moving on, Fremantle coach Ross Lyon hosed down speculation of impending move to Collingwood, appearing on Nine's footy classified last night. He was asked the question by Caroline Wilson. I mean, people are going to draw parallels to me leaving St Kilda, but my contractual situation was vastly different and I had a clause in there and both, both parties had a clause in to, um, to, to vacate that contract and, and I exercise mine. So there's no such clause in this. It's a marriage where I'm fully committed to them and they're fully committed to me. So it's starkly different. Um, I'm flattered by it because, you know, round two, the game had left me behind. So now I'm a candidate for one of the biggest clubs in the country. So that's flattering, but it's unrealistic. Things change quick in footy, don't they? Yeah. Do you reckon, uh, quick. Yeah, quick hypothetical here, um, will Ross Lyons coach another AFL side ever? Oh, gee, who knows? Yeah. Who Tough knows? To it's too early one. to tell. As but they've said, turned it around at Frio. Was, that's the main thing. Yeah, he's pretty happy where he is right now. So who knows? It's not possible. But look, new five-year deal for Jason Johannesson. Uh, great news for it, him. Turned it around at Frio. They were in a premiership a few years ago. And the they're dwelling final. at the grand final, rather. And they're dwelling at the bottom of the ladder. Well, they're, not at the, they're not at the bottom of the ladder now. Uh, probably... Eight weeks ago they were, but they've shown pretty good form over the last 
five, six weeks. They've got some young players coming through. I think uh, next year, JB, for mine, they'll be tough to beat. Johannesson's re-signed. Yes, the rebuild's on at Frio. Norm Smith medalist, uh, $600,000 a year, the Herald Sun reporting, for five years. So there was a bit of word around that he might be interested in going back to WA, where he's from. And one of the most incredible turnarounds we've seen in football, probably ever, Carlton's Liam Jones in line Ever. for a new two-year deal. Uh, he played just 17 games in Ever. two and a half years with the Blues until five year, uh, five weeks ago. That three-year deal couldn't end quick enough as far as most Carlton fans were concerned. Get him off the books. He moved into defence at the start of the year, started in the VFL. I saw him tearing games apart in the VFL thinking, I can't believe what I'm seeing here. Comes to the AFL, does the same thing. Good on him. It's a great story and an important reason why the VFL is so important. Gives you a chance to go back to the lower levels, change your role, get another opportunity. Well done, Liam mm. Jones. The story that's been revolving around Melbourne the last few days mm. is the inflation nightclub shooting where heavily armed police shot a couple of patrons of the nightclub, Dale Ewans and Zeta Sakais. There's been a bit more information come out of a investigation done by The Age today. Now, the Victorian Independent Broad-Based Anti-Corruption Commission announced on Monday, yesterday, it would examine the incident in further detail. We've jumped on the line this morning to the Victorian Police Association, spoken to Brendan Roberts, and he said because it is a fact based police investigation and highly sensitive, they can't comment any further at this stage because it's an ongoing ongoing investigation. You can understand that. But when you look at the two sides of the story, the police side of the story and what those in the nightclub are claiming, two very, very, very different stories. Absolutely. And uh, the, the essential fact at the bottom of all of this, Howie, is that two people were shot. Uh, one remains in a serious but stable condition uh, in hospital. Uh, a woman was shot in the leg, a man was shot in the stomach. Now, the owner of the nightclub, Inflation Nightclub in King Street, Martha Samus, has come out with a, a statement and she's laid out a whole lot of facts here. And some of them are very interesting. Now, facts this is from her point of view. This, That's right. This is from her point of view. But uh, this has also been corroborated by her staff and security staff. She says that security verified that a plastic toy accessory uh, was displayed to and passed by them, the security, and this information was given to police on their arrival. Now, what happens here is it's a Saints and Sinners ball. It's an independent brand that hires out inflation four times a year, and it's an adult party that has been celebrated there for over 20 years at inflation without incident. Participants are generally older adults who are in costume. They register before they go along, and they enjoy one another's company. Obviously, uh, it's a pro it's a venue with a private function. Yep. So some of the rules of normal engagement, i.e. sex in open spaces, is okayed. All right? Security verified the plastic toy was carried as part of a costume, and this information, according to Martha Samus, was given to police. I think that's essential here. Now, security had no concerns prior to the incident and advised police on attendance that they were more, to more than happy to deal with issues. What happened is that the police had received some triple zero calls that a man inside was carrying a gun. And that's a really valid point. And the this professional is... standard uh, command superintendent, Lisa Hardiman, said on the Saturday morning after the incident that the police had responded to a number of phone calls in relation to the mail with the firearm, including from the venue. So the police have been given a number of calls, according to the police, that there is someone inside the nightclub with a weapon. And that bit of information has obviously caused this flashpoint that has resulted in two people being shot by police. I am not taking an anti-police stance here. I'm just talk, reading out uh, the facts provided to us by 
or Martha Samus's point of view, who owns Inflation Nightclub. She says venue staff uh, stated the male victim was not holding anything in his hand, but rather he was in a compromising position with his female partner, which is normal activity with the nature of this event. Um, if this wasn't so much so serious, I would, of course, start giggling at that point. Whereas the police said, if you look at the circumstances when a gun is aimed at you and you ask somebody to drop the gun and that does not occur, you need to make a split second decision to protect yourself. And I think this is where inflation and the police are in full agreement. And that is, this matter will require further investigation. But on the evidence available, police, according to Martha Samus, have overreacted to an anonymous phone call Ignore the advice of security, uh, who did not believe there was an incident that required attention for more uh, clarification, uh, required anything more, more clarification, excuse me. So, uh, two people, the police storm in, 30 seconds from 32, en- seconds 32 seconds from entering the building, two police are shot. Inflation nightclub obviously have an issue with the cops because they have been raided a number of times. It's been identified as some kind of drug, uh, honeypot for drug dealers, according to uh, police on 3AW. And so there's an ongoing relationship there and Martha Samus is obviously sick of being harassed by police. But this is uh, terrible that two people have ended up shot. I'm not sure you can say she's being harassed by police. Well, that's from her point of view. Okay, well, as I said, the Anti-Corruption Commission are going to check it out. So it'll be interesting to see the wash-up from all of that. As we just heard in sport, Ross Lyon came out and uh, took Carolyn Wilson head-on uh, on Monday Footy Classified and said that I, she he's not moving anywhere. Mm. Flattered to be uh, associated with the potential Collingwood job. But I've been doing a bit of digging. Oh, have you now? I've digging? Been putting, yeah, I've been putting a couple of... And numbers together, and uh, I've come up with you, Howie. You're at the centre of all of this. Oh, let how, me how let me just be? explain what I mean. Uh, did you or did you not go to dinner with Craig Kelly uh, at Nobu last week? I did. No, okay, let me just explain who Craig Kelly is. Not sure to. what this relates to. Former Collingwood player is the head of one of the great sporting talent agencies, uh, not only in this city, in this country. Uh, under his banner, uh, the following coaches, Brad Scott, North Melbourne senior coach, Alan Richardson, St Kilda senior coach, Leon Cameron, GWS senior coach, Simon Goodwin, Melbourne, Chris Scott, Geelong, Adam Simpson, West Coast Eagles, as well as a huge coterie, a cohort of assistants and specialists. According to this the Herald is, Sun. This, well, that's fact. Okay. He manages all of those people. He does. This is the man pulling the strings. You are on this station on the weekend uh, speculating about Nathan Buckley's future. You even put Paul Ruse in the oh, seat I at did one not. Stage. That was Wayne Carey. Thank you. I think you know a lot more <laughs> about this story than you're letting on. You're at Nobu, Nobu <laughs> yes. with the man, enjoying a nice wine and a steak. You're, you're a football journalist, a great caller. You've got your finger on the pulse. Don't tell me that conversation didn't come up over dinner. That over to you, Howie. That conversation <laughs> did not come up over dinner. Oh, right. It was, uh, oh, you Ned's... didn't talk about football. We didn't, actually. Oh, what did you talk about? We talked about travel. It's we talked tra- about travel? Ned's kids. We talked about our kids. Um, oh, I'm... that conversation can't go for long travel and the kids. <laughs> it was a quick dinner. When two men sit down and have dinner with together. With their beautiful partners. With their partners for fear of any intimacy or emotional involvement, they start talking football. If I'd asked Ned about who was going to coach Collingwood, if it wasn't Nathan Buckley, he, he would have just told laugh you. He would not have told Halfway me. Halfway through a bottle of Pinot, he would have gone, I'll tell you what, here's the good oil. He would not. Okay, I put it to you then. Did you or did you not 
play as a so-called comedian at his 50th birthday party? I did not play the comedian. I played the Prime Minister at his birthday party. Well, a similar style link. A similar style link. Luke Hodge to join us in 15 minutes' you time. You know what's going on and you're not letting on. I know. Stuff all. Moon Doggy, fifth straight race in a row. Our man, the Honey Badger, Daniel Ricciardo, has placed on the podium. Five straight races now. Now, just uh, back one step, the Honey Badger. That's his nickname. Why so? Because it's small but fierce, the Honey right? Badger. It's Is uh, it? apparently, pound for pound, one of the fiercest animals on the planet. But we don't, it's not a native. No, uh, the there's no badger. honey badgers here. No, no badgers here. Badgers, not here. Not here. We've got <laughs> no. a platypus. <laughs> no, that's right. Not so fierce. We've got carp. But again, uh, not so fierce. Uh, this is Daniel Ricardo impersonating not a uh, honey badger, more Maybe of a bear. Maybe it is a honey badger. No, I think it's more of a bear. It could be a honey badger. This is after he came third in the Austrian Grand Prix on the weekend. His in-car radio. Just a bit of grizzly oh, yeah. bear work. I don't think a honey badger makes those noises. Sounds. He's just giving it the raw. Sounds a little bit of a mating call, doesn't it? I liked it. Yeah. I like talk about mating calls. <laughs> I take you back to 2009 Hockenheim, where Mark Weber won his first Grand Prix. Slightly different reaction in car. <laughs> Now, I don't know Again. if this is the right thing to say, but they, imagine, they imagine. They all sound a little bit orgasmic, don't they? Well, I was just about to say, imagine spending a night with Mark Webber, and that's the completion of the evening. That does illuminate exactly uh, what it's like to, you know, place or, or win a Grand Prix race because yes. you don't think about that in the car. You don't think about that sporting moment where they do the fist pump or the chainsaw. they've got or their helmets on. They've got their helmets on, but it's also very solitary, so they can't celebrate with somebody else. That's it. But like any sport, they're glad to get a place. My so, word. And, and more than glad, you know, they are... Joyous. Well, we haven't got we haven't euphoria. got we haven't got Kimi Räikkönen, but basically when he wins a Grand Prix, he's just like, yeah, good. Right, you're not a you're not a Räikkönen fan, are you? Nob. Winter breakfast, Triple M. Nobu. Drop punt on the way. Oh, look at the statement made by Luke Hodge. Head over the ball, went and got it. Hodge drove Taylor Adams into the deck like you wouldn't have believed. To the ground and Hodge off a step. Oh, One of the great grand final goals, the boys on Triple M calling Luke Hodge against West Coast a couple of years ago when Hawthorne won three straight premierships. It is a sad day in this town when Luke Hodge comes and declares he is retiring. He's playing his 300th this weekend and then playing out the season. Luke Hodge joins us now on the Winter Breakfast. Good morning, Hodge. Good morning, mate. How are you going? It's a trick, isn't it? It's not really happening. Oh. <laughs> no, nah, sorry, Harry. Uh, it's definitely happening, mate. Um... I think it was something that when when we signed on last year, it was uh, if everything worked out well that this was going to be the plan. And I think what's been the most encouraging thing that we've we've found so many younger players um, that that have improved so much in in twelve months. And I guess a lot of that's come from injuries from our older blokes. But it's been uh, been pretty impressive our last month how our, our younger fellows have 
um, I guess, stood up in their, their place and, and played some really good football. Yeah, spot on, Luke. How did you find the press conference experience yesterday? There were some great pictures. You had your beautiful wife, Lauren, there, and the young blokes, Leo, Chase, and Cooper. But the entire club was just jammed into that auditorium. How did you feel going into it? Um, you know, mate, I'm not a massive talker. I, uh, I got a little bit nervous. Um, and when I spoke to the boys, I think I was more nervous. I think I spoke for two minutes. Um, and just sort of said, yeah, well, it wasn't much of a surprise. I think the boys there who I'm fairly close with knew, knew the plan. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a bit daunting going in there. And I think that's why we did it yesterday rather than doing two press conferences, one now and one in a month. We thought we'd knock it both over yesterday. You said you spoke to the boys and only a, a brief discussion with them, but was there one message you tried to bring to the group, Luke? Um, not really. I was, I was pretty nervous talking to the guys. <laughs> um, it was, it, was, it was short and sharp. It was, it was pretty much, um, I was just giving them the heads up that, um, yeah, that what we're going to do that, that afternoon. But it, as I sort of said, it was no real surprise. I'm pretty open with, with a lot of the guys and they, they also knew that more than likely this was going to be yeah, my final year. Massive week for yourself, Luke. Your 300th game this Saturday. Of any team in any time slot in any ground to come at, I reckon the Cats at the MCG in the traditional time slot on a Saturday, gee, that's a match made in heaven, mate. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, I think it's uh, considering the rivalry that uh, that Hawthorne and Geelong have had um, since 2007, 2008. Um, and it's not only that. There's a lot of the Geelong guys that, uh, that I've spent a fair bit of time with uh, off-field. So... Um, I know family are very uh, looking forward to it. I've got a, I've got quite a few mates that are Geelong supporters that are pretty keen to go and have a look as well. <laughs> uh, I'm actually nursing Howie through this one. He is devastated <laughs> that you've announced that you're leaving. Um, now that you've made the announcement, you've got seven games of AFL football to go. Obviously, plus finals, uh, plus finals, possibly. Uh, <laughs> Dream on, Howie. <laughs> uh, now, obviously, across 300 games, you can't relish every moment. Are you really looking forward to these last seven? Because they're obviously quite significant to you. Um, I think I was looking forward to, to this year. Um, I, I, I've had, I had a bit of a different mindset at the start of the year. It was more, be a bit more relaxed, um, help Ruffy as much as I can, uh, and just really enjoy it. Um, considering I... I Gave up the captaincy at the start of the year, so I, so I can enjoy it. So I think it's going to be just the same. I know Clark I was pretty keen, even though we did do the, the presser yesterday, he didn't want it to be a circus and and talk about it every week. So I was sort of like, get it out of the road now and then just focus on the last, last part of the season. Mate, there's been so many highlights, as we mentioned earlier on, four premierships and a couple of Norm Smiths and obviously grand final success is what it is all about. Are those the moments that really stick in your mind, the premierships, or are there other moments along the way as you get a chance to reflect? Um, I, I guess it's it's definitely the premierships because that's what a lot of people um, talk about um, when you when they do um, speak your career or review review your career. But always the first game I was against my my former team at Barrackport was Richmond um, back in 2002. That was that was obviously a highlight. But then there's certain games that, that stick in your mind. Um, Geelong in the the 2013 prelim um, mm. when we're 20 points down at three quarter time. There's just certain parts there that, that definitely stick in your mind as well. Uh, last night at the presser, Oji, uh, in reference to being uh, drafted before Luke Ball and Chris Judd, you said, you know, the fat, slow one is still around. Uh, obviously being, you know, quite self-deprecating there. But let's talk about your transition away from football. Uh, how will you go on, uh, you know, the burgers and the beers? Uh, have you got a plan so Ooh. that you just don't blow out horribly? I think he needs a plan, this man. <laughs> No, no, no. Um, it's a good old plug here for Light and Easy. That's, uh, I think I'll be there you go. I've walked you into it, Hodgie. <laughs> Thank you for that. 
No, I think, uh, and and I didn't, I didn't call myself. That was my uncle who sent me the message when Paul and Juddy both retired. That right. about, the, about the fat slow one. So I'll put him in the deep water there. But okay. um, I look, I, I think what what I've learned from when I first got drafted, um, how to sort of take care of yourself. And you see so many players that sort of blow it a little bit, but then they rein it in because they know how to eat well. They know um, what exercise to do. Um, I've got a few really good mates who. Um, if all goes well and the body stays well, we'll, we'll tick off the New York Marathon. Um, and I think that's just small little plans like that that are just going to keep your mind active rather than just retire and not do anything for six months and put on a bit of weight. You still want to be trying active and and, uh, and exercise. We're speaking to the man, Luke Hodge, that is going to play 300 games. We'll get you to stick around. But before we do go to a song, you mentioned Chris Judd Hodgey. He's been musing about certain things that are going to occur to him in the future. I just want you to have a listen to this, uh, which is Chris Judd sort of thinking about where maybe his statue might go. We wind through to the car park in Punt Road and Juddy mutters something under his breath. And I'm like, what was that, mate? And his mum was away again. And he, and he finally says, oh, I was just looking around here, surmising to myself. <laughs> Where my statue would go. <laughs> Where my statue would go. Thought possibly next to Lee Matthews in front of Kevin Bartlett. It's a legitimate concern. I mean, it's not, it's not something you'd have to worry about now. But some of us, you know, does it go in front of gate three? Does it go in front of gate five? You know? These are the issues that are now going to face you, Luke Hodge. Have you had a think about this? And do you think you should get a statue before Juddy? Um, I've been lucky enough to do a bit of work with. Um, you, Darcy, and, and Daddy mm. on Friday night footy. And um, that does not surprise me at all. <laughs> Ever since he retired, the, uh, he starts talking in the third person. He's now got a segment named after him, Judge Judd. Yep. Um, for a person who was so calm and, and placid on footy field, he's really taken that next step. Um, but I don't think that's something I've got to worry about. Jody can have a uh, statue at every, at every gate, I think. <laughs> well, Hodgie, please stick around. Up next, I've got something incredible, an incredible quote to play you. And also, maybe we'll talk about what pose Hodgie should be in if there is going to be a statue. Retiring Hawk Luke Hodge is still with us on the winter breakfast. Uh, what a champion you've been, Hodgie. Uh, don't need to blow up, uh, pump up your tyres oh, too much. But yeah, let's just go across but, it. Jewel Norm Smith medalist, three-time premiership captain, four-time premiership player, 300 games uh, this weekend. Hodgie, um, we were talking about brags yesterday. How oh, people no. brag. Now, hold <laughs> no, on, no, Howie. Hold no, on. No, no. And uh, obviously, you're known to Howie Hodgie. Is that correct? Yeah, yes. Well, because how this is listen to this. I'm sure you've had some stalkers across the journey, Hodgie, but listen to this. What's now your I'm brag? brag as well, Dawn, about Luke Hodge. Whenever he sends me a text message, a text message, I show everybody I know and oh, say, wow. "Luke Hodge just sent me a text message." I can't believe you played that. So, Hodgie, have you ever texted Howie? That's that's my question. Uh, who's Howie? <laughs> oh, it's just He's a, a little boy here in his Hawthorne jumper. No, no, I've uh, I've got to know Howie quite well over the years, okay. uh, and we do. Uh, message each other quite frequently. There you go. And I do show it to everyone I know. Hey, mate, uh, uh, this is about you, not about me. But uh, the, the, the day I've had the pleasure of being involved in is the day after the grand final at, at Glen Ferry and introducing you guys on the stage. And, and I think that's when you really see, when you guys walk out there, just the passion that football invokes in this town and what it means to people to see success. It's quite an extraordinary day. How, how do you boys feel about that day as footballers? Um, I guess it's it's an unbelievable experience. I know growing up in the country, you you lived and breathed sport, whether it's footy, cricket, or basketball, um, and then you 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 see these diehard supporters come to the footy, whether it's 
raining weather tonight. But then, as you said, the day after the grand final, uh, whether you win or lose, we've we've been on the um, we've been on both ends of it. The amount of support as you see the next day, um, and you you really do understand what what AFL and obviously what Hawthorne mean to so many people out there. That's why um, what we've achieved over the last eight or nine years, it means so much because you can sort of see the smile that you put on so many people's faces. Yeah, spot on. You've got to realise, Lawrence, as a Hawthorne fan, this type of thing doesn't come around very often. The Hawks only get to you know, celebrate a premiership every two or three I know years. That, so I, mean, I, I feel for you guys in the premiership drought. <laughs> That's exactly your, right. Two years now. <laughs> you must be champing at the bit. Um, Clarko <laughs> used one word in reference to you last night, Hodgie, and that is sacrifice. He was impressed with the sacrifice that you'd made across your career. But he, he alluded to the fact that the penny didn't drop straight away for you. What what finished, What changed after that first season, you know, mentally to think, well, this is what I've got to do to become a footballer? Um, no, it was more than the first season. I think um, when I got drafted, I was a 17-year-old, just uh, just finished year 11 in Colac. Right. Um, physically, I was right to play football, but mentally, uh, I didn't know what it, what it took. So I've made so many mistakes along the way, whether it be my, uh, whether it be my 21st, um, back in 2005, where you sort of start to understand what to do. But you, we've had so many good people around, whether it was Clarko or Andrew Russell, who've given advice since they've been there, or, or previous players like Mitch, Vanders and Crawford have always tried to give you tips. So I didn't probably really start to understand until probably 2005 or 2006 what it, what it does take, whether it's the right sleep or what you're eating or what you're drinking or, or tra- the training, uh, how hard you got to train. So it was a complete change of lifestyle and mindset. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think everyone goes through that. One, when you're a teenager developing, I said everyone develops at different stages. Um, obviously, it took me a little bit longer to understand exactly what I, what I needed to do. Well, Luke Hodge, we're going to uh, usher you into your 300th game with a good old-fashioned player profile like that you might read in the footy record. So uh, get set for the tough questions. Favourite meal? I've got to say light and easy, don't I? <laughs> Absolutely. What, what particular light and easy menu item? Is it the chicken Kiev? No, I like the spaghetti bolognese. Of which he has seven when he sits down to eat. Favourite movie, Luke Hodge? Favourite movie? um, Anything with Mark Wahlberg in it. Yeah, I like him All the Shawshank Redemption. Mm. Toughest Uh, opponent? uh, Toughest opponent? um, I'll probably have to say Michael Voss. Biggest career influence, Luke Hodge? Very hard to split between Andrew Russell and Alistair Clarkson. Okay. And finally... Will you coach Collingwood next year? (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't have thought so. I've got a couple more. Best you've played with? Tough one. Tough one. um, Either a a buddy, a Mitch, a Cyril or a Croft. Yeah, fair enough. And tell us, Luke Hodge, before we let you go, what takes you to your happy place? Good question. Um, I guess spending time with the kids. Yes, football is so full on. So just to get a day at home and that's do nothing and, and just lay around the house with the kids is, is pretty high on the, the radar at this stage. Uh, you mentioned the kids. Uh, Coop, how old is Cooper now? Coop's nine at the end of the month. So how did he feel, mate? What did you say to him about the whole retirement? Uh, I spoke to him um, was it Sunday night and just sort of said, Dad's going to finish up football. And he actually got a little bit upset. He goes, does that mean we can't go to the footy anymore? I said, no. <laughs> he goes, I said, we can still go. And he goes, oh, that's all right then. <laughs> so he didn't really give two hoots about me. He just wanted to make sure I could still go to the footy. Your retirement last night was very hot on social media, especially Twitter. And uh, the the common opinion amongst all football supporters was, I would have loved to have had Luke Hodge at my club. And as an Essendon supporter, I concur wholeheartedly. Congratulations, Hodgie. What a glittering career. You're a tremendous man and an ornament to the game. Cheers, guys. Thanks, sir.
Good on you, Hodgie. Luke Hodge, superstar from the Hawthorne Football Club. Just an absolute champion of the game. We're into our second week of winter breakfast, and it's very exciting to get to know somebody a little bit better. Of course, early in the morning, you're very exposed. And uh, I've got to know you, Howie. Now, Mm. you do something that uh, annoys me about Australians, and that is you play your your intelligence and your knowledge and your intellect down. Oh, do I? Australians, yeah, whenever I use a three-syllable word, you go, oh, it's not on, I'm just a sportscaster, you know, (laughs) slow down. But uh, we're having a conversation about, you know, what you're reading and... uh, Tom Bainbridge says to me, you know, you can get this book we've discussed, Sapiens, on iBooks. And mm. I said, I wouldn't read uh, something on a Kindle. I love the pages. And you pipe up and go, yeah, I go to the library. It's like, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> that, you know, what's what what's wrong with this statement? I said, oh, yeah. When How, how often do you go to the library, Howie? Twice a week. Twice a week. Off to the library. The library is the best free service on the planet. I love the library and I love the fact that you go to the library. So I want to ask you some questions about the library because oh, yeah. I pop down to uh, the Malvern Library. I'm a city Ocean, of Grove, Ocean Grove library man myself with and the so, pickle and the penguin. They love it as well, my two so kids. sit back, folks, on uh, Triple M Winter Breakfast. Oh, We're yeah. going to chat library. Okay. Fascinating. This will keep them tuned in. Yeah. <laughs> all right. First of all... Uh, you were saying that you can order books. You can. So there's a new book out at the moment, uh, The Force, by a gentleman called Don Winslow. You might have seen the, seen the film Savages. Magnificent book. I was mm-hmm. talking to Damien Barrett, and he'd bought it the other day. I said, mate, order it. So you order it from the library. They go and buy it. On your behalf? On your behalf at Ocean Grove, and then send you a text message to say your free book is here ready for you to read whenever you wish. You can go, and, and how long do you get to borrow that for? Three weeks. Three weeks? Three weeks. <laughs> That's plenty of time to read it. Of course it is. And uh, what and what is the fine system? What's the fines? Because well, everyone's worried about the fines. Well, it's a good question because you, it's about if your book is late within a week, it's mm. only about fifty cents. However, I never bring my book back late. But Mrs. Howie borrows my card and then gets some chick lit, oh. as it's called, and then I go back and they say, "Well, you can't borrow the recent history of Vietnam, which I was just reading." And You've all been shut down because you know it's a disgrace. Um, because you haven't brought back Death in Paradise. Mm. Which I wouldn't have read. So the I have shipping to pay, news by Annie Pro. So I have to pay Mrs. Howie's fine. Some Di Morrissey exactly. saga. So if you're listening, Eric, you take your books back on time for a change. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, the Dewey Decimal System. You just said, you just said, I'm you, good at it. You you read a book from the Vietnam War. Give me the Dewey Decimal number. Eight hundred and fifty-four. Whoa! History. Whoa! <laughs> I would have thought nine fifty-nine. <laughs> Vietnam War. But anyway. You're in the right. So I, I finished that. I'm now. I'm reading a book now because I finished the Vietnam book. Mm. I like to go fiction, non-fiction. So I like to entertain myself, then educate myself, book by book. I'm reading a book that uh, my mum put me onto last night called uh, "The Rules of Backyard Cricket" by a gentleman by the name of Jack Sarong. Really, really good novel. But uh, listen. So we encourage people to get along to the library because it's a great free service. You it can is. order books. You've got plenty of time. Now let's move on to librarians. So they still. Those no. women that are sh- sh- shushing you, got Coke bottle glasses, the buns up, but you know that set free, they would be sexually smoking in the boudoir. Listen, in case the ladies at Ocean Grove Library are listening, <laughs> and I could be there this afternoon. Don't I you try and shut them down. I choose not to comment on that. I'll give you a quick library card story. Uh, years ago at uh, Channel 10, we had our post-grand final party. 
um, after you'd covered the grand final. It might have been the last one you've done. Strange, so we're strange link grand to the library. Final, grand we final party, library card. This, Michael Voss is working with at the stage. Now, Michael Voss had bought me a couple of drinks. Um, and it had a couple of drinks, as had I. Mm. And Vossi, one of the greatest, toughest men in the history of football, said, all right, Howie, you're shout now. So he comes with me to the bar, and I get myself a, a vodka and him a vodka. And I go to pay for it. I've had a couple of vodkas at this stage. Instead of pulling out my credit card <laughs> and trying to pay... I pulled out my library card in front of Michael Voss, who just looked at me and said, I'm not drinking that, and walked off. Associate editor of the Herald Sun, Andrew Rule, joins us. G'day, Rule. Nice to see you. Uh, nice to get here, boys. It's always a pleasure to be alive. There's a million stories on the mean streets of Melbourne, but the biggest one at the moment is the inflation shooting that happened in the early hours of Saturday morning. Uh, a man was caught in a compromising position with his girlfriend, apparently had a toy gun. But, At least uh, it was his girlfriend. Yes. Uh, well, well, a partner. And uh, he got um, more than a post-coital smoke. He got a he surprise. Got smoked. <laughs> Probably his wife got a surprise as well. So no. uh, have you got anything to illuminate what went on in that nightclub between well, those people and the police? I'll be serious about this because this man could have been shot dead. He's very lucky to be alive because yeah. he's got a... Uh, is it a uh, thirty-eight, a forty-millimeter slug? I think. Is it from the Smith and Wesson in no, his chest? I don't, I don't think they have Smith and Wessons anymore. I think they're Glocks. No, I think they, no. I think it's they, the the automatics are the Smith and Wesson in Victoria. Okay, a Glock in New South Wales. But anyway, much the same projectile. Oh, you boys know your pistols. Well, and um, no, no good when they hit you in the chest. No, when you're caught in a something or other uh, act in a nightclub. At three in the morning. Do we know whether there was more? There was more than one shot fired because the the woman was hit in the leg as well. Plus, there was a taser fire. It would appear that the man and the woman were very close at the time mm. uh, when these shots were fired. That's why both of them were injured by the shots. Uh, it appears that this chap allegedly had a a uh, toy pistol, but of course, a toy pistol, if it looks real, is a very serious thing. But for a start... Yeah, if you walk into a bank with it's one, a, it's still a, an armed robbery charge. It's an armed robbery, and yeah. you could get yourself shot with one, as this bloke found out. You can get arrested with them uh, and get very serious charges levelled at you. And I do believe that any facsimile pistol that looks like a real one is illegal. Uh, so, there's no, it's, it's a really, in some ways, you know, you can... You can look at it in a light-hearted view, Ruler, but yeah. at the end of the day, two people have been shot. And the flip side of that yeah. is the police have been called upon to use their firearms. Now, the police themselves, you know, they know what's going on in the paper. They've gone through a traumatic experience as well by have. being have to pull their weapons and now yeah. being questions as to the, whether they did well, the right thing. It's a, it's a tough story for everybody involved. Yeah, we're all cracking jokes about this, and that's understandable. But for the police involved, yeah. let alone the people who have been shot, mm. the police involved will be, this will be a career-defining moment for possibly, uh, depending on what is found out. Remember the, the, the police who shot that young fellow, you know, Tyler, the 15-year-old? In Northcote, yep. In Northcote. Now, th they were actually completely exonerated. Mm -hmm. they, they actually went to lent over backwards not to shoot that kid who was very keen to get shot, suicide by cop. And it looked for a long time, you know, those, those police, particularly one of them, was uh, accused of basically, you know, manslaughter or murder or something, and it was just wrong. They, they, he actually broke the rules of policemen by aiming low and trying not to right. trying not to hurt the boy first. And uh, are those police still in the job, do you know, Roy? They are, and God bless them, and they did exactly the right thing. They did mm. what they were trained to do, and they 
leaned over backwards not to hurt that boy. And we don't really know until there's an inquiry what happened at the nightclub and how threatening it mm. appeared. Yeah, no winners in the Tyler case no. in Northcote. Uh, King Street, obviously a long and colourful history in that street for a yes, long time. Yes. Uh, not only a hotbed of you know crime and violence, but also a hotbed for hot dog selling. I remember there <laughs> yeah. was a lot of stories going around about the hot dog seller Your bumped friend. in uh, South Yarra. Yeah. Michael Marshall. Michael Marshall. Yeah, so uh, what what happened with the hot dog selling? Was there police involvement in hot dog selling in King Street? Police involvement. What police po- involvement? Investing in hot dog vans as well. Well, I did hear that, but I'm not suggesting there's anything wrong with that. No. So you're not about everyone to loves link, a hot dog. You're not about to link what I'm going to say with anything wrong, eh? No, I'm not no. linking anything. No, there was a very fine, I thought a very clever name, uh, uh, which cooked up by a couple of coppers called Shot Dogs. Great. Uh, I like that. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was very clever and I think they're extremely nice people and they sell very good hot dogs and they wouldn't do anything wrong. Who, who doesn't love a how, hot dog? However, Michael Marshall was shot by other crooks for various reasons, but you'd have to think that Michael Marshall and his cohort got up to no good and possibly sold things other than hot dogs. Because I understand, Mr. Mooney, that there was a disagreement about somebody turning up to sell hot dogs in King Street and possibly in Carlton as well. And he got his legs broken, this fellow, which is... Didn't realise how dangerous it was to sell hot dogs. Yes, apparently it's very sought after. Right. Hmm. So The pitch, uh, you know, the little pitch. Mustard sauce and a little bit of ice on the side. Oh, that's possible. Talking of ice. Talking of ice, I noticed your story uh, on the weekend about ice in Brighton. Well, let's, yeah, it's fun to poke fun at Brighton. We all do it. Um, well, of course uh, I th- want that's... ice in my drinks in Brighton. Why well, you? I went to Brighton in order to buy the ice only so I could poke fun at Brighton. Uh, this could have happened anywhere. This is not about Brighton. Okay, let's, let's let, be honest. Let's be distinct about this. Right. We're not talking about frozen H2O here. No. We're talking about... Methamphetamine. That um, what I did last week was uh, attend a particular place in Brighton. The address of which doesn't matter. I just went to a, a restaurant there and I ordered the pancakes. The chap with me. This is an experiment, right? Okay, didn't matter where we, we could have done it in Direct Road. We mm. could have done it in South Melbourne. Well, anyway, Broad Meadows. The fellow with me, former international sportsman, made a phone call to a particular chap, and uh, within twenty minutes, just after the pancakes arrived at my at the table. Uh, Ute pulls up out in the street outside and um, he goes out and collects his half a gram of ice from the Ute. A couple of blokes in high vis. Uh, I don't believe they do much work on building sites, these fellas. I think they drive around. So you were party to a drug deal? No, I was witness to a drug deal. Witness to a drug deal, excuse me. And I didn't pay for the ice. The other chap did. And this was just all part of research? This is research. I'd pay for the pancakes. And so when are we going to read 40, the full story? $43.40. Right. Uh, a version of it has been in the Sunday Herald Sun, which is a very fine newspaper. Mm. I'm disappointed that only one of you here has read it. I read it. I didn't know the blokes were in high vis. Oh, no. Well, that's an important point. <laughs> is that not the important point of the story? No, yeah, but I didn't no. realise your average drug seller gets around in high vis well, gear. Well, that's a very dangerous thing. You can get your legs broken. So uh, <laughs> They were in a ute. And the ute just looked like every other tradies ute in Melbourne, but in, they're not coming down to get their pies and sauce at lunchtime from the building site. They're mm. actually driving around 
from point to point around town delivering ice. And one fellow does the driving and handles the ice, the other fellow handles the cash. So the industry's in full swing is what you're saying? I understand that the chap behind the chap who sent the ute, so this is well back, mm. is one out, one back, uh, has been in business 25 years. It is a murky city in which we operate. Ruler, yeah. thanks for coming in. We look forward to reading more about that uh, situation in the upcoming weeks in the Herald Sun and the Sunday Herald Sun. Uh, we are the Don Winslows of the Yarra. The cartel, power of the dog. Uh, talking book. of books, I have a collection of books, my latest effort, the best of, which is called Rule on Crime, which I'm going to donate to this program to give to the good people. I'm holding this up. Absolutely. So the, Rule on so crime. The listeners can see it. Rule we, on crime. We, we are beyond reproach. We cannot be corrupted here. No. If you've got you gifts, give it, you give it to... We'll pump your tires up, Ruler. No worries. <laughs> Hopefully we can you get can, it at the library as well. Winter breakfast, Triple M. Public. Oh, my goodness. Bogan hit it. A three for Andrew Bogan. Howard blocked again by Bogan. Oh, he got him a second time. Blackhawks at one. Bogan's going to shoot a three. Massive fan of our next guest. He is a superstar. He has taken his uh, trade and moved offshore and dominated in the United States of America where he's won a championship ring in the NBA, amongst other things. Always fronts up and represents Australia at the Olympics with the Boomers, etc. His name is Andrew Bogut. He joins us now on the Winter Breakfast. G'day, Andrew. Great to speak to you. How's it going? Um, firstly, mate, how's your recovery coming along? Obviously, you've been out of action for a while. You would have been working hard in that gym you've got. How are you actually physically tracking? Yeah, good. Um, got cleared to start jogging about three and a half weeks ago now, so um, I'm at the tail end of that and anticipate next week to start to start full training with jumping and all that, so should be 100% is, you know, just around the corner. Which is great news, mate. How do you deal mentally with the physical side of recovery? Because it's the hardest thing probably in some ways the athletes have to do. Yeah, it is. Um, it's all about routine, so it's, you know, it's about doing your physio and your, you know, your massage and your strengthening and your, your cold tubs and all that kind of stuff and just, just getting into a good routine every day. Um, I usually do that in the morning and then in the arvo I have, you know, some sort of physio, osteo, whatever, and just trying to stay adamant on it and then weekends just, just do bugger all, really. Andrew, I'm fascinated by the management side of things. So, so what, and you've heavily invested in your own management company, and congratulations on that. What happens with you and NBA franchises as we speak? They obviously know physically where you're at. How does it progress from here? Um, yeah, well, my agent, uh, David Bowman in the States, is, is taking care of that. He's in discussions uh, with about four or five teams right now. Um, so he's, you know, he's, he's talking to them and, and, and firing up the phone whenever, whenever something comes through. Um, but we, we obviously um, had to wait for a lot of the big dogs to fall uh, for teams to establish, you know, their rosters a bit bit better than they, than they had early on um, to know kind of, you know, where we fit in the piece of the puzzle. Obviously, there's a financial side to it, but you've done very well out of the game and deserve every cent you've made. So what is the main influence on your decision now? If you have to choose between franchises, which is a nice position to be in, what are you looking at? Uh, fit's obviously very important, so you want someone that um, that fits your style. You know, I like to play out of the high post and, and, and utilize my passing and, and rebounding and whatnot. So, fit's important. Um, you know, the people they have, the players they have, the coaches they have. You know, being around good people is very important because with, with 82 games uh, plus playoffs, you're around them basically every day for five, six hours a day. So, you don't want to be looking at teams that have uh, massive drop kicks. <laughs> so, yeah, you just want to want to make sure you're enjoying it. Mate, we were talking about the financial side of things. Obviously, Steph Curry signed a new deal, and we're talking mega, mega, mega bucks here. You understand the economics of sport far better than I do. Are athletes worth that amount of money? 
it's all about what you bring in. I think you know, look, when you compare it to to everyday jobs like a, like a fireman or you know a, a medic that drives an ambulance, of course not. Um, but you know, the reality of it is, you want to be um, you want to be paid equivalent to what you're bringing in. So that's the unfortunate thing. Sports are huge all over the world. The NBA is a, a global brand, not just in America, and, mm. and it brings in a, a boatload of money. So with our CBA, we, we get half of that. It's 50-50 right now, and, and, and that's just how it goes. Like any business, if you're a CEO, you know, and you, you've, you've improved your business by X amount of money, um, you get bonuses uh, that, 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 that go into that. Uh, Andrew, you're a champion on the uh, basketball court, but you're also a champion on Twitter. I, I love reading your feed. <laughs> Some people, yep. <laughs> I'm right behind you all the way. Uh, <laughs> your uh, frankness is refreshing. Speaking about money, um, last week Bernard Tomic uh, blew up at Wimbledon and came out and said, I'm only doing it for the cash. Uh, how did you feel about that whole Bernard Tomic situation in Wimbledon? Um, yeah, not good, not good. Not good for himself. I'm looking for his brand and the country. Um, I think it's obviously a. Um, I think, quite honestly, I'm not, I'm not excusing what he did. It's 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 terrible. I think there's some more issues there than we know. Um, to be quite honest with you, I think, um, you know, with 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 the climate today, mental health and all that, I think mm. there's there's some there's some underlying issues that we don't know. I, I just can't fathom why someone, even if you thought that, why you'd why you'd come out and say it. You know what I mean? So, I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt before people start firing up. He's definitely, you know, not right what he did, but. I, I reckon, you know, a hundred mine is, I reckon there's some, some more things going on than we know about. It was brutally, brutally honest. Yeah, it man. did strike me as a, a cry for help because he, he said that it's mental and he can't even find a way to, to find satisfaction from the game. Andrew, you were talking about money. Have you been following the cricket situation? It, it's something that's very close to my heart. I don't want to ask you about it if I'm throwing you into something you're not aware of, but are you aware of the dispute between the cricketers? Somewhat, yeah, but I think it's, a, what was it, about 24 or 26%? Yeah, so they, they, they're basically arguing to retain a percentage of profits from the game, which they've had for the last 20 years. It's a, it's a tricky one, and it's, 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 well, it's tough now because our cricketers aren't playing and they're not getting played. It's a, it's a sticky one, this. Yeah, it's not good for anyone. Uh, I went through it in, I think it was 2011, yeah. 12, I think there was a lockout. Um, and, yeah, it's not good for anybody. And you don't realise the trickle-down effect, um, especially the NBA and big leagues like Big Bash and whatnot. It's not only the players and coaches and people that are directly involved in the game that are affected. It's it's everybody, you know. It's it's vendors that are selling food at games. It's people that are, you know, selling jerseys in shops, selling hats. You know, selling the league pass to, to watch it online. It just the trickle down is absolutely phenomenal when you look at it um, economically. And there's just so many people that are, that are directly affected by it. Mate, you've become a father. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Uh, little Luca, eight months old. Uh, did he come out as a massive unit like your good self? Yeah, it wasn't too small. Um, it's pretty big, and he's a big boy, so he's um, he's getting strong, moving about, which is good. And uh, you're getting some news. kip, or you're getting some sleep. Well, I have a good wife, luckily, so I um, you know, I probably shouldn't say it, but I I got a rehab, so that's my excuse. So I kind of nick off in the other room and, and get my rest, and, and uh, she's at home with the little fella. Oh, well, good on you. I'm going to rehab. Doing the heavy lifting, uh, <laughs> Andrew. You and I share a passion, and that is motor vehicles. We're both petrol heads. I have recently purchased. Uh, a boyhood dream, and that is an MGB GT. Uh, you you collect cars. What is your pride and joy in your little fleet? Ooh, um, tough one. Um, I have. I'm actually, funnily enough, I'm not a Ford man or a Holden man. I, I like eras, different eras from both mm-hmm. the makers. So I'm not like these blokes that that you know you have to arc up whenever someone says Ford or Holden. Um, so you'll go a Camaro or a Mustang. Correct. Yeah. Look, it's more more with H. I like I like my later model HSVs and my Brocks. Right. 
and then I like my um, earlier Mustangs and GTs, um, like the XY and XW. But right. probably the, my favourite car right now um, would be one of the Brocks. I've got a couple of Brocks, um, all original. Nice. Um, I've got a Walkinshaw, it's all original. So oh. they're, just, they're just good fun to drive. And have you got a, uh, have you got a GTHO Phase 3? Not a three, no. They've they've burned a little bit. Even even I'm struggling to find coins to, to, to get the prices <laughs> these days. Yeah, they've, gone, they've just gone through the roof, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, they dropped to two, two or three a couple of years back, maybe four, and now they're back up to, to three quarters of a million to a million. Mm. So it's wow. just like our housing market, mate. Um, I think people have a lot of access to borrow cash, and it's flushing around. Uh, you mm. need to contact a young bloke by the name of Jack Perkins, son of Larry. He does a magnificent job uh, uh, re-detailing and fixing up old race cars. He does some beauties. When you typically arrive at, at a basket, team that you play for uh, in the car park, what are the boys rolling in at? I presume they're not coming in just with your standard cars, these guys. Oh, it's generally your Bentleys and your, your Mercs, um, generally the high-end the high end sports cars. Bentley's been very, very popular the last couple of years. Um, there's some Porsches floating around, so it's all the high-end Euro stuff mainly. Gee, those Bentleys are nice though, aren't they? Two-door powder blue metallic Bentley. Who wouldn't want one of those? <laughs> I'm opposite. I drive. I drive a F150 Raptor. Um, oh, do you? <laughs> I'd rather spend the money on a, on an older muscle car. So, I'm not sure, where my I'm, sort of crewman Ute fits into this discussion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of weird. I'm kind of weird like that. Just before we let you go, when your career ends up with a couple more championship rings and a couple of years down the track, any idea what you're going to do? What you'd like to do? I know you've got a, you've got varied interests. Um, I'm not sure right now. Uh, probably something to do with basketball. Um, in what capacity and where, I don't know. But um, I haven't really given it a whole lot of thought as to where, where I'll be based. But I have some, some projects and some things going on. Um, like I manage myself myself now and uh, all my finances and all my day-to-day stuff I do myself. Uh, I don't have anybody doing it for me. So just figuring out that next transition of life so I don't, so I don't retire and then everyone that was doing everything for me kind of disappears and then you, you're just stuck in the lurch. So doing that takes up enough time. But look, mate, I honestly just want to have the time to be able to pick my son up from school and hopefully have a few more kids and, and do the do the smaller things and have that flexibility just to, to do what you want, I guess. Fantastic. And good luck getting the uh, car seats in that Raptor. That'll be a, a nice setup. Hey, we appreciate your time, mate. I hope it all goes well for you in the next couple of months as to where you end up and hopefully your career continues to flow along nicely. Thanks for having a chat with us, Andrew. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. Andrew Bogart, lovely fella. Would you get car seats in a Raptor? Uh, yeah, you possibly could. They might be a bit tight in the back there, but uh, it's all about... <laughs> There'd be room in the Bentley. Lawrence, the Crows beat the Bulldogs last weekend, and the Adelaide captain, Jay, uh, Tex Walker, was involved in an incident where he was accused of pushing mm. Jason Johannesson into the goalpost from the Western Bulldogs. He was fined from the match review panel $1,000 in the charge of misconduct. This is what he had to say about it on Adelaide Triple M Radio this morning. Uh, I'll discuss with the club. It's not really the money. It, money doesn't bother me. Um, that probably sounds a bit rude and arrogant, but the more more to the fact is I, I felt I didn't do it deliberately. Mm. Um, so we'll discuss as if this morning with Pikey and Phil Harper whether we um, challenge it or not. Yeah, so he, uh, that's a very honest exchange there. Obviously, he felt like he, it was unavoidable and uh, he doesn't deserve a sanction. He said he went, you know, he doesn't, he apologised straight away. He doesn't worry about that $1,000. He just doesn't like the mark against his name. Now, I've got a statement Fair enough. now issued from the headquarters in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Hello. The WBO, obviously involved in the Jeff Horn Manny Pacquiao decision. Mm. Now, they have released a statement saying, due to controversy caused and disputes amongst the fans, transparency is so important in boxing, which I enjoyed that line from our friends at the... I'll just write that WBO. one. WBO. 
The transparency is important in boxing. Never the most transparent parent sport. How many, how many different bodies are there in boxing now? WBC, yes, WBO, IBF. IBF. There's quite a few. There's yeah. quite a few. Anyway, our good friends who like transparency at the WBO have gone back and got independent judges to rescore the fight between Jeff Horn and Manny Pacquiao. What's the point of this if they're not going to... Transparency. No, but what if they're not going to take the belt off Jeff Horn and give it to... Pacquiao, what's the point of rescoring it? Well, just so that transparency got a transparent situation. The end discussion after lots of numbers and statistics based on this analysis, Jeff Horn was the winner of the bout. Okay. No he problems, won. Jeff. He did not look like a winner last week as his face closed up and those bruises broke out on his forehead. Um, just on the tribunal too, I just want to remind uh, people what happened uh, with Easton Wood, care of Ian Henderson on ABC News. If you think it's the Western Bulldogs, think again. And Bulldogs defender Easton Wood is also facing a week on the sideline. We are the Bulldogs Western Bulldogs. Defender. Shane Jacobson joins us on the show tomorrow. You might know him as Kenny. He's got a great new show on Nine, which looks entertaining. Melbourne Lord Mayor Robert Doyle will join us in the studio. And don't forget, well. folks, 7.30 tonight on the Seven Network, Behave Yourself, hosted by Darren McMullen and featuring my good self as one of the naughty panellists. Who else is on tonight? A lot of fun. Um, I think Michaela Bannis is on tonight. Warney? Uh, Warney isn't on tonight. Um, Claire Hooper. Cac. Uh, Arj Barker. Barker, one of the funniest <laughs> blokes ever. Yeah. We need to interview him. We should interview him. He's a terrific interview. Did we do a pre-record with him this week? We did. <laughs> How'd it the go? The line was bad. Right. Let's speak to Dangerous Dave. Tune in. What's happened Channel to that 7. interview? Are we airing that sucker? 7.30 tonight. Wow. Oh, I want to hear it now. Seven. Oh, now what happened, Dang. Moon Man? Dangerous, have you got a beanie to give away today? Uh, yes, a Triple M Rocks footy beanie. Uh, you can't buy them. You can only win them on Triple M, either being a club member or calling me on one triple three five three. I was trying to come up with a question about the Spin Doctors because they're coming up soon, Moon Man, right. in this 105-minute music marathon, but I couldn't think of any trivia what questions. What about Rat Cat? Uh, no rat cat, but mm. here is the trivia question. It's a UK ska band um, that went originally by the name of Morris and the Miners. Then they changed to the Invaders, and then they settled on a name back in 1979. Terrific song. It's do they com- wear baggy trousers? One triple three five three could do. If you know, give me a ring, and you get the beanie. Uh, I'm no gonna, more hints. I'm gonna I'm gonna come round to your studio and play you a touch of what Arj Barker delivered oh. to us. Uh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> a bad line you said, Moon. Yeah, it was a terrible line. <laughs> yes, yes. In this yes. day and age, it's amazing how sometimes you can just get a bad line. <laughs> your real sort of one-word answer type stuff. It was too. Uh, not sure to ever hear the light of day. A friend of mine. Have a mind. wonderful Tuesday. Heading to the top of fifteen. We'll be back tomorrow from six a.m. Winter breakfast. Have a great day, Triple M. All right.